We're, oh. we're going to keep him as a, kind of under wraps for a couple minutes. Bird boy started. Which is why you had him cradled in. You didn't want to hear that part. It's a surprise. All right. I think it's your time, your chance to lead us in. I've done the last two episodes. It's your turn. You're listening to Deeper Magic. is the Deeper Magic Podcast, and I'm Anna, and this is my father, Peter. Yes, uh, we are back for episode five. Episode yeah, five, Anna, at this weird. point. And, and I want to say that I'm coming off of a situation where I have received indisputable proof that God exists. Like, absolutely indisputable oh, proof that God exists. We were just out. Fun. We have a guest in studio with us tonight. This mm-hmm. is the first time a guest has been in studio with us in this way. Now, we have done some other episodes that maybe we'll air later right. with some guests. But but we have a guest here, and we went out to happy hour before this. Yes. And here's my indisputable proof that God exists, because the, the server offered me either a $7 sort of junior varsity house margarita right? with the chips, right? And, and at a Mexican restaurant, you're not going to not have a margarita. I mean, our guest had like I some sort of weird pilsner or something like that. <laughs> but but I, he offered me a $7 house margarita, but then he really sold this $13 he did. Cadillac mm-hmm. margarita. Hardcore, I didn't even, he, he went did, for he it. Did. So I had one margarita with all of these chips, an entire field. Of, <laughs> I don't know if you have a field of chips. I don't, I feel like, if they're corn chips, yeah, corn then I is feel corn like, yeah, a field. Okay. It's a field of right, corn, I did. So okay. a field of chips. So I did, I did. I don't know, I feel yeah. like that works. And I had that one house margarita. That thing was the nectar of the gods. I mean, I'm not, yeah. I, now granted, certainly Mount Olympus exists as a result of that, but mm. clearly God exists because that I, you cannot <laughs> put something that tasty in your mouth. So that's my uh, my proof that God exists. God was very accessible tonight uh, at oh, the yeah. happy hour table, and uh, and we're having that conversation as part of deeper magic. And now we can introduce our de- our guest into this. Right? Is uh, we left off in episode four with Tim Yearsley from the London mm-hmm. Institute of Contemporary Christianity, and one of the intriguing things that he said was that people that are in the sort of the eighteen to thirty year old category are really responding. <clears throat> to a life in which there really is an accessibility to God. That God isn't just an idea, there's an accessibility. And he was talking about the exam and prayer. We'll talk a bit about that in this episode too. But we thought we'd follow up with this episode with a a good friend of mine, somebody that you just met uh, tonight too. Literally a few hours ago. And I'm and I'm afraid that um, already you sort of wish he was your substitute dad at this point. Um, am, am I far from the mark? I'm getting Anna? more like cool uncle vibes. Cool uncle vibes. Okay. I know you haven't introduced me yet, but dad, am I old enough to be? <laughs> no, your that's dad? why I went. But to that would say, mean how about older I, brother? I, like, dad would be uncle, weird. uncle. Yeah, uncle older brother. or like older brother. Yeah. Yeah. But that would mean that I am old enough to be. I mean, I guess dad, it technically it'd be physiologically possible. Yeah, but, but kind of. But weird. just weird. Yeah. yeah, that's why I went with <laughs> Uncle. Uncle felt safe because I was like, it's that weird, like gray age range. Yeah, yeah. good safe. Yeah, because how old you. are you? I spend a lot of my old, time cleaning up his. How old like, do you think I am? Mess. Well, I think I met you, <laughs> Justin Jepson, who I'm going to introduce <laughs> a little a dangerous further. Dangerous question. <laughs> I think I think I met you. <clears throat> what it has to have been maybe six years ago at the University of Northwestern, where I was teaching, and you were doing the chapel work, or is it four years ago? I honestly don't know. At least five. I was there for f- almost five. Yeah. In, the, in the in the chapel role. So mm. yeah, and we hit it off almost immediately. I mean, students at Northwestern would sort of mock the two of us for having a bromance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could really did. I, <laughs> they I were more jealous them. though. Yikes. <laughs> Yeah, they were, and 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 I, I would regularly crash your class. You would regularly class uh, crash my class. We did a ton of chapels together, which mm-hmm. was super fun. Yeah, to do all of that, and then and then Anna, I don't know how people break up these days, mm. but literally the dude just usually me. messily. 
very yeah. messy. We had this bromance for five years mm. where I was mm. teaching, and I didn't even hear from him. I don't think directly. Well, maybe it did. Maybe this you was exaggerated. But he just he no, just left. I text me. I texted him. Is that oh, how people no. break? <laughs> is that how people break up right now, Anna? Is this how Dude. this goes? No, I actually Listen. told you in person, and I have to say, I I did text you many times, and we've tried to get together many times. So it's. Uh, this, so this uh, is you're trying to re- I think you're trying to rewrite history a little bit. I think, it's, I, think I might yeah. be. Because how do people break up these days, Anna? Like, I mean, mm. theoretically, you should break up in person, preferably in a like neutral location, right? So like mm-hmm. not at somebody's house or whatever, like just like a meet in a, the middle kind of place. Is there a place. DTR location on campus where you go? Um, do you know I what a DTR is? I don't way? even know what that is. What is that? DTR. Define the relationship. Thank you. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. You guys are so relevant. Well, okay, okay. DTR. well no, I've I've said I'm that before sure. in a classroom, and students give me the deer in the headlights look, and I'm like, you don't know what a DTR is? They're like, is that some like? We we have a similar like concept. I think we just don't use that phrase as much, or at least the abbreviation. We will be like generations fate. Where like yeah. What are you guys, or like that sort of question, or like have you defined the relationship or whatever? But we don't normally abbreviate it. So I think that may have been the yeah, so, missed point. So breaking up is still in person, though, ideally, but how, does it happen? Preferably, to... it should be. Um, I I did break up with somebody over the phone at one point, but it was just because <laughs> I knew that I wasn't going to have a chance to see him for like four days, and he knew that something was wrong. And I was like, I didn't want to make him sit in that yeah. for days and days and days. And so I was like, I am just going to call him and we're going to have this conversation. Rip off the band-aid. Right. Just like yep. let it be done. Um, and that was really good. And I think it actually gave us both like space to process that. Um, and then I I do hear often that you should break up with people in person as somebody who has been broken up with in person and was like in the place where I was very like people pleasing and so didn't know how to be like I'm leaving now and also at the time was not old enough to drive so I was like waiting for my ride to come back oh dear, oh dear. that was the worst hour and a half of my life yes because those those seconds go five by. minutes yes. of the conversation and then we sat there for another like 45 minutes to an hour oh. talking about nothing and I was horrible like, get out and I literally considered walking to my grandparents' house, which was close enough. It would have been about a twenty-minute walk. <laughs> worth it from the coffee Entirely shop. Entirely. I worth was it. like, "Am I just gonna walk to their house and be like, listen, <laughs> I got dumped. My mom is gonna pick me up soon.' Yeah. Um, and I ended up sitting through that whole conversation, and it was one of the worst, most uncomfortable nights of my life. So I, f- I feel like it depends on the person and the relationship. Yeah. Well, I would how- rather be broken up with over the. F- phone yeah. not over text oh well, i would i would much rather have it that way too but i got broken right? up with over text by justin and our and bro- our bromance on this For shame. He, he left it because you decided to join a ministry called strategic renewal right yeah. that focuses Correct. on prayer oh, ministry so this is one of those where you yeah. like had a new relationship he, he lined did. up he totally oh, did and thank you wow i i was starting to feel awkward around him and i didn't know why there was all this unspoken <laughs> all non-chemistry this kinds of yeah. stuff and so he the left secrets. for this prayer ministry and mm-hmm. you now here we are still mm-hmm. back at the table together in that awkward way chapel w- meant nothing to you <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we are never on the same side, Anna. This is so fun. Uh, this I, is this fun. This is way more fun. So I, I want to defend myself. I'm just going to let you two have this moment. Yeah, no, okay, no, no. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. So, you, so you you are obviously still teaching at the University of Northwestern. We've been good friends for these years. Yeah. You asked me how old I think you are. I'm going to guess mm. 37, but I have no idea. Close, actually. close. Actually, yeah. What, what have you at? Uh, just just up one more. Thirty eight. Yeah, thirty eight. Nice. Okay. So it wouldn't be entirely weird with Anna at twenty to have her. I mean, eighteen. It'd still be pretty a young. little weird. You you would be a homeschool kid uh, that had <laughs> married at eighteen. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> I can only or say some that. or somebody that grew up in your. Yeah, I, I can only say that because I'm a homeschool dad. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, and and you're doing strategic renewal, which is a ministry on prayer, and we're going to talk yeah. quite a bit about um, maybe taking some of the mystery out of prayer, some of the accessibility of God. I just mm-hmm. was really intrigued. Uh, and Justin, you haven't had a chance to get all the way through episode four, which mm-hmm. just dropped uh, this morning Big at, fan. at the time of our time of our recording here today. And he talked about young people really wanting to have some kind of accessibility to God. And he just mm. gave them a really simple tool called the Examine Prayer. And, yeah. and you guys were talking over happy hour tonight just about your use of that prayer. And, and we'll talk more about that. But I was intrigued. You came all the way. You, you drove about 45 minutes yeah. to come to the Kapsner studio. Yep. yep. And uh, and you grew up in this neck of the woods, mm-hmm. and it was quite the nostalgia time for you. you. Said it was maybe about about fifteen years since you drove around, and there was even one specific place where you had a really profound experience with God. It sounds like as a young boy at that point. So I'd love to hear more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I've been by one of the places more recently than the other, but it was the more of hitting both of them. At the, you know, within like five minutes of each other. So yeah. I drove past. <laughs> Um, it was actually a hotel um, in a city just just east of here um, that when I was 12 years old was uh, hanging out with my older sister and uh, her friends and one of her friends was employed at this hotel and they were talking about the second coming of Christ and at that point in my life I'd never heard about that so I knew that Jesus had come but I didn't know that he was coming back again and so um, I had a bunch of questions that night and uh, interrupted the conversation. So hold on a sec, you tell me that Jesus was coming back. And mm. they looked at me like, yeah, like, where have you been? Like, you didn't know that. And mm. I was like, well, no, well, why is he coming back? When is he coming back? And for, mm. for whatever reason, I really wanted to know, even though I had very slim to none knowledge of scripture at that point, I wanted to know where in the Bible it said that. Because mm-hmm. they're describing mm-hmm. it to me. And I was like, oh, that sounds really amazing. Um, anyway, so I, I drove past that and it was that night as a 12 year old that I prayed um, the only prayer I really knew how to pray was the only personal prayer first personal prayer I just said you know if I didn't know something as important as Jesus coming back to earth I must not know who Jesus is <laughs> so I just said the six words I said Jesus I want to know you wow and I mean and that was it went to bed there wasn't fireworks big explosions a big emotional experience wasn't anything like that but that was the turning point in my life and then a year after that uh, at the church that I was at the point attending with my family and kind of grew up in um, I had a really profound encounter with the presence of God in a way that at that time I could not explain. And so coming over here, five minutes after that, I drove past that. I didn't realize where I was until I looked over and I was like, wait, that's the place. And I, I almost wanted to stop and just go sit in the parking lot. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just had a moment. I, it almost brought me to tears thinking about like. It's called St. Not... John's Catholic Church. Is that, yeah. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So yeah, I, grew, I grew up yeah. in, the, in the Catholic Church. I did too. And, yep. um, and I'm, now I'm a denominational mutt. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. but, yeah but, yes, for sure. Um, but yeah, so it was just on the way over here. It, it was just a reminder of how, as a young person, God was pursuing me. Hmm. He didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't seeking him. He sought me. I didn't love him first. He loved me first and hmm. he sought after me. And he made himself available to me and he revealed himself to me. And as a young boy. As a young boy, yeah. When I wasn't mm-hmm. even looking, 
specifically, but I knew that I, there was a longing in me that he already put in there, but that only he could fulfill. Mm-hmm. And so that was, those are the initial moments in my journey and my walk with Christ. Mm. And what is we, so much of the deeper magic that we've been talking about is the idea that there is a magic in this world. There is an accessibility to the spiritual realm. There really is a story that, that I use the word pulsates. I just love mm. the word pulsates along with magic. I, I just think the universe pulsates with the magic of God um, mm. that that is woven through the world. And I just don't know that we've really done a lot of helpful work and how do you live within the accessibility of the magic uh, mm. of God and some, you know, we can call it prayer, we can call it whatever we want to call it, but, but it really has to do with accessibility. And I mean, Anna, I know we've had conversations and you've had, uh, again, experiences that there's a temptation as a dad to teach your kids ideas about God mm. mm-hmm. as opposed to helping to shepherd a relationship with God, because the one thing I can kind of control as your father, you know, I can teach you the ideas <laughs> and the doctrines and the creeds and, and those things are not unimportant. And I want to teach those things, but I was always a very controllable <laughs> child. <laughs> I, I can re- tell you know, <laughs> oh, two hours yeah. that I've known. You. Absolutely. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm a hundred percent confident that worst mm-hmm. case scenario in heaven is that we have to look at each other's videotapes, right. As we've <laughs> talked about. Um, and so if I had to, like, I'm just going to check the videotape that you, that you are, <laughs> you are decidedly not a controllable child. You, oh, yeah. you have been a loose cannon since you like could walk. I mean, and oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. anyway, so, but, but in a good way, like people have been drawn to you since you like could barely wave out of your little, you know, stroller well, kind you. of thing. So, but I really, I, parents get stuck, I think at times because mm-hmm. I, it's hard to know how to shepherd people in an actual relationship with God versus mm-hmm. telling them ideas about God. And I know we're going to even talk about that in light of the church and yeah. some of the stuff, Justin, you were texting me earlier here uh, this week, but uh, your life began to change pretty substantially. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, when however mysterious it is, it, though real, there started to be kind of a, a genuine accessibility within the spiritual realm for you. And this whole time where people are spiritual but not religious, right? There, there's a yeah. longing for mm-hmm. that kind of, of relationship. And some people name it other things. We, I really believe there's the God of heaven that, that we mm-hmm. know in this realm. But th- it's, things started to change for you in that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I can't remember if we've talked about this already or not, but for me, it came when I was at a pretty essential turning point in my life. I had kind of just graduated high school and was just getting ready to move on campus um, at the University of Northwestern, which, spoiler alert, I did not end up doing. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't. (laughs) Um, About two weeks before I was supposed to to do that. Um, But I just remember sitting there and after a conversation with a family friend of ours just being like, I don't know what it is, but this is not right. And I have this sense like every time that I talk about this with my friends or with my family or whatever that I'm like but I'm not gonna do that Mm -hmm. like I'm not that's not happening we're talking about this as though it's happening but it's not and I couldn't figure out why um and then had a a conversation with a family friend of ours that uh kind of helped me figure some of that out and then I wasn't totally sure where to go from there and was like aware of ticking clocks and and all of that. And so really just out of this place of of confusion and desperation was when I, like, I don't know that I want to say legitimately or, like, genuinely, because I do think that I had genuinely turned to God before in my life and just not ever really 
received anything back that felt tangible. Hmm. Um, but I think this was the first time that I turned to God in complete vulnerability. And and looking back on it, I didn't have words for it for, for months afterwards. Um, but I kind of realized that I had been living my life and my relationship with God up until that point under the assumption that there was a chance that God didn't want a relationship with me hmm. and that I would rather not invest too much of myself in that hmm. or or rather not invest all of myself in that because I, I knew that if I didn't invest all of myself in that, that I wouldn't get anything back. Hmm. And I would rather not try than try and find out that what I was afraid of was true. Hmm. But that turning point in my life and that really genuine confusion and desperation like pushed me to a point where I didn't care about that anymore because I was like, I I have no other options. Like I kind of have to go all in on this. Hmm. And it and it was this like staggering response. Hmm. Um and then has continued to be that <clears throat> with the same intensity for uh, however many years it has been since then, two, three years. Since then, it has not s- stopped hmm. being insane. <laughs> so. And do you, guys, do you guys find it hard to trust? I mean, I have hmm. some stories along these lines, too. I maybe share some of those. But I find... That even though, I mean, Anna, the the profound experience that it is, and and Justin, I'm sure you've had them too, and I have had those too, I find it equally hard to grow and trust that that is a legitimate life, that that is a legitimate Christian life, that God will continue to shepherd us, that I'm not just making stuff up, um, that they're... That God, we really do live in the words of Dallas Willard in a God-bathed world, hmm. and hmm. and the heavens are as close as our next breath, hmm. and so I will have these kinds of moments and times, and and then yet I don't know that they're going to keep coming. I almost just go back <laughs> to my own sort of little idolatry yeah. or whatever it is, as opposed to letting God continue to be a shepherd in life because I don't know what the future is going to hold. Um, it's all unknown. And even though I, I just feel like the Israelites so often, right? I mean, it's incredible experiences with God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then and you then forget they, and complain. You know, yeah. they yeah. follow, yes, they totally. go way off the field somewhere. Yep. So I don't know if you've had, if that's at all similar. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you said that, uh, Anna. Just, I think that there's a, there was that sense of fear of not knowing how, at least at your point, your concept of God would mm-hmm. respond, right? And yeah. I, and I think part of when it comes to, uh, prayer and just thinking about the accessibility. I mean, think of a divine person mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. supernatural, who's almighty, who's holy, who's so distinct, who's so mm-hmm. other. Um, like for me, and I, I've, I think I've only maybe been able to put some words to it in a different way recently that I think part of what people fear is is actually what they most, what they most long for, which is intimacy. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, and for me, I think intimacy... Is, is found at the intersection of being f- both fully known and fully loved. And dude, that's, that's a and scary that's, thought. And that's a I scary mean, thought. But we think if, if, yeah. if you fully knew who I was, yes, that's why it's scary. It would repel you. Uh-huh. It would not attract you to me. If you knew what went on inside of me, if you knew all of that, right? So what do I do then? Yeah. I, I front, mm-hmm. I, I mask, I, I try to present myself a version of myself that I believe 
that I think you're expecting or that I think that you will like or accept or receive. And then, and then you feel the sense of belonging oh, at first, right? But then what the problem is, and the reason why there's such an epidemic of loneliness mm-hmm. is because you're not actually loving and accepting me. You're loving and accepting the mask that I've shown you. Yeah. Yep. And I think we do the same thing with God. Even though, even though, you know, theologically or cognitively we'll say, yeah, God knows everything. He already knows me, right? Mm-hmm. But there's there, that's when it comes to this point of prayer, when I can actually be real and raw and honest before God. Yeah. So I love the Psalms. It just yeah. <laughs> it gives us that license to spiritually vomit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and you look at, you know, somebody like David, who's, I mean, almost, you could diagnose him probably with bipolar. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. depression and anxiety, all those things, right? <laughs> and yet he's a man after God's own heart, but he was only a man after God's own heart because God was God after his heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it took moments of encounter, like you yeah. just described, like we've talked about how, how we've had, yep. where I can completely lay myself bare. And I actually find that I'm loved more, not less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys heard of the... Um, I'm trying to remember the exact phrase right now. I think it's the mortifying ordeal of being known. Is that? No, I love that phrase. Mm. Okay, so I didn't think that you would hear it. I wasn't sure if you. Oh, why? Because he's so much younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's, it's like because people are old enough. To people saw a point at yeah. I know. Thank you. I All right, know. I know. Listen, I, I just I don't know. I hate my life. I know. Um, but it, but it's something that like comes up pretty regularly in conversation with my friends, and it's something that is talked about a lot in like my circles with the idea of loneliness or the idea of putting up that front or putting up that mask. And the, um, the way that I have always thought about it, the, the mortifying ordeal of being known is, is more the sense that like, when you realize that somebody knows you despite that mask that you have put up Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden you're like, Oh no, that wasn't as airtight as I thought it was. Yeah. And it's like, I had one, that I just remember so distinctly a few years ago that I, we were sitting there and we were talking with a family friend of ours and there were a couple other people in the room and I don't remember what, like in what context this came up or what it was, but I was sitting on the floor and he was sitting across from me and he just said he just said something just so casually and then moved right along past that about how when i sit on the floor i always sit with my toes curled under my feet which is so weird and i do and i'm i'm literally doing it right now i can feel myself doing it i like point my toes yeah yeah she is i had to look yeah. i had to look i don't know what yes. i feel yeah. like it must be a dance thing i was in dance for a long oh. time you are that's so probably it's fair like the pointing the toes thing right yeah. but it was like i wasn't until that second, I wasn't aware that I did that. Hmm. And I wasn't aware that anybody else knew that I did that. Hmm. And then he pointed it out and I was like, what? And I just remember sitting there for like 15 minutes afterwards and being like, this person knew something about me that I do every single day of my life that I wasn't even aware that I did. Hmm. And it it freaked me out, but was also like a really wonderful moment hmm. between the two of us. Hmm. And so I think that's what yeah. the concept is talking about is like when someone knows you in a way that you don't always know yourself, mm-hmm. kind of despite the mask that you put yeah. And I think that's like part of what is so scary about the relationship with God hmm. is that, you know, theologically that he already knows you, mm-hmm. but it's hard to put that into practice or to like 
live as though that's the case. Yeah. And then you run into situations where you're like, oh, I didn't even know that I was doing that. And you have been reaching out to me under the assumption that I'm doing that. Yep. Yeah. That's so powerful because we know theologically that's correct. Mm Mm-hmm. But God has designed us in such a way that we need other people to incarnate that reality. Totally. Right. And so I, I, I'll, I'll never forget the way um, you mentioned chapel. We had a, a, a chapel speaker a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. It was like my first year in the role named uh, John Lynch. And okay. whether you know, but mm-hmm. he said, what if we could discover a place with another person so safe where the worst of us could be made known mm-hmm. and we would find that we're loved more, not less in the telling of it. Oh, mm. gosh. Can you say that again? Wow. So really, really. That idea of what you yeah, said. Yeah, say that again, Justin, if you don't mind. So if we can discover a, 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 a place that's safe enough with another person that we can make the worst of us known and that we would find that we're actually loved more, not less, in the telling of it. <laughs> and I think that's, that's beautiful. Every single person needs that. Because we live in so many transactional type relationships that are, yeah. are that are based on what you can do for me. Or I, I just even think a lot of marriages, I'm guessing, if you yeah. if you scrape behind the surface, that a yeah. lot of marriages people don't they're not truly known to one another. There's just so much fear associated mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, yeah. And and that's and I love that where you can then have a relationship with somebody who knows you well enough to know when you're starting to mm-hmm. put up a front and say, Hey, you don't need to you don't yeah. need to do that. Or why yeah. or even ask you, why do you feel the need to do that? And they totally. know you well enough to know that you're doing something that you're so, you've cultivated that habit without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they've already shown you that they love you despite that. Yeah. And, or even in light of that, you know. Totally. That, yeah, that incarnating thing, man. I mean, as you're talking, um, I remember when I was in junior high and early high school and I was in sort of that intoxicating realm of being, I know it's hard for you guys to believe, but I, there was a short season of time in which I was popular. I, I you were studied. cool. <laughs> just, it was very short. It was very short, wow. Dana. It was while he but, still had hair. Yeah, it was. Oh, I, I mean, right? See, I, I got to see a picture of I know. Peter with hair. Oh, it's I, weird. It's I, really It was weird. a little sure. like early Justin Bieber. I was sweeping it across oh. the top uh, in kind of like a semi-bowl cut. I mean, it was, okay. it was... The pictures that I have seen look more like... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Someone from the Beatles? Because Justin Bieber, you can't... <laughs> that's like, what is that, an anachronism? You can't make that oh, claim back to you. That's true. That's true. Look like somebody who didn't exist yet. Yeah. <laughs> where it's like kind of kind of afro-y but yeah that's yeah, fair it's fair and yeah. it, but i'll tell you what when i was 17 years old it started coming out in in clumps the size of small rodents i mean i remember i was in the bathroom <laughs> at 17 years old so big. and i mean like little rats were coming out of my hair my head is what it felt like so that's it was just dumping it was just dumping out of my head wow but, yeah so <laughs> at that point i was like Why i just want to get to my this? wedding pictures but so it, it, hard to believe I was I was you know voted like friendliest in junior high and then I was oh, you know okay. maybe threatening to be part of the homecoming court when I was a sophomore. Weird. By the time I was a senior, I literally had no friends left to speak of, hmm. and it was such an unbelievably lonely time to wait for the phone to ring because we didn't have you know cell phones back there. So I'd wait for the phone on the wall to ring, and it just never rang on any Friday or any Saturday night. And many of the friends that I thought I once had, I no longer had anymore. And I remember you guys somewhere into my senior in high school, looking at the people that seemed like they were popular or had friends or were getting invited into parties. And I started thinking, you know what? No longer is Kapsner coming to the scene. Some version of Kapsner that looks like those people that mm-hmm. are successful relationally mm-hmm. is going to come to the scene. And so I started putting on that mask in a variety of ways and playing the chameleon game where yeah. you can change your spots in almost any environment 
in order to fit in because it is so devastating to experience some version of relational rejection when your heart is wide open. And I remember thinking, never again. I'm mm-hmm. never going to be lonely mm-hmm. again. And, and all I can say is that cost me about probably almost 10 years of my life hmm. where yeah. I put up those guards for so long. And it wasn't until, Justin, like what you said about somebody needing to incarnate it for us. Mm-hmm. And, and Anna, I know in future episodes, we're going to talk a lot about this, this God mm-hmm. that actually is a God of love and delight first mm-hmm. right and it doesn't need to be conditioned by justice and wrath and all this other stuff like perfect love casting out fear is mm-hmm. what the bible talks about who god is yeah i had so much fear at that time and it wasn't until i was under a pastoral mentor who could see through me it was just one of the have you ever had people that yeah. when they look at you it's like gosh they're seeing right into the core of my being <laughs> i yes. cannot hide i hate you yeah like mm-hmm. i just I, you, you kind of almost your eyes start even darting around a little bit it's so uncomfortable when yeah. somebody can see into see into you in that way and he just kept pressing and kept pressing mm-hmm. and kept kept pressing. And at one point, it was something effective. Do you know what, Peter? Do you know that I actually like you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, at that moment, I paused. And I decided to just stop for a second and say, okay, wait, he actually likes me. And that changed almost everything. Like, he incarnated yeah. something about God in that moment. Because, yeah. you know, I heard Brandon Manning once say hmm. that uh, theologically, God has to love us. But do, do you know that he likes us? That yes. he wants to yes. be yeah. in our presence? And I don't know about you guys, but I I think oftentimes we don't get that perception even from some of the shepherds in the church that we want to um, have. Uh, Justin, you texted me about a, a week or two ago maybe now just about how the shepherd, uh, pastors are so trained, understandably so, given this attractional church that we've talked about, yeah. um, to, to run organizations, to functionally be CEOs of organizations. Mm-hmm. But they, as one who has been teaching in seminary these last 10, 15 years or so, there's not a lot of training about how to train pastors to be shepherds with people in kind of the ways that we're describing right now. And yeah. so there's, I think there's a lot of pastors and pulpits that don't know how to do intimacy yeah. and and don't have a life of substance and, yeah. and, and a life where they don't have a lot of fear. And so yeah. there, there's just not, maybe there's a reframing of how we need to train pastors in developing a life of intimacy with one another and with God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Cause I, I think maybe in how do I want to say this? There's so there, there's there's so many la- layers there. I yeah, think I only I, asked you about fourteen questions. I wrote them on there. Yeah. <laughs> After the horrifying visual of rat hair clumps, so like oh, gosh, you know, I'm of course you. you're rattled. I mean, it's okay. Which, you okay. Sometimes it was the size of a beaver that came. Well, out by the way, like it was terrible. I know it can be something. edited out afterwards. I was biting my lip or tongue, whatever, because <laughs> oh. I had so many things I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. But I. You, you and I are not on radio anymore, that's, like we used to be. You don't you don't have yeah. to have filters, yeah. right? I know, you I know. Anything. You yeah. and your dumb little cool hair and your dumb little oh, cool stop. beard. I, I have yeah. been waiting <laughs> for years to go through one more version of puberty just so I could grow a beard. Ooh. Literally, I could never <laughs> grow that beard that you have. It's just such a cool beard. Someday, Someday. miracles mm. do happen. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, wow. so training. Oh, anyway, the goodness. text you sent me really yeah. felt like you just cut right to the heart of an issue there. That yeah. we're just—it's been a while since we've trained people how to shepherd people in this Absolutely. kind of life. Absolutely. Well, because I think part of that text too, I think it said something along the lines of, you know, we've trained pastors to be a CEO, fundraising therapists. Yes, that is right? exactly what you yeah. said. And that idea that have a charisma and can attract people and have good oratory skills. Yes. But they have not been in the context of a community where actual character can be formed. And in order for that to be formed. Oh the unconditional love of our heavenly father has to be incarnated. Mm. And so I think part mm-hmm. of the reason why mm. we've trained pastors within this system is because they themselves haven't experienced it. That's very fair. And so I think 
we can't expect them or expect pastors to give to us, to give to people, to give to the church something that they have not themselves been ex- have experienced. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Right? I mean, I, and, I was a pastor in a church with a lot of people. I didn't yeah. have that kind of life. Yeah, and so, yeah, and I, and I think, but but the hope, though, and the reality is, is that, I mean, it's not like it's, there's never, it's never too late, mm-hmm. right? And I think, mm-hmm. and, I've, and I've known um, so many, and myself being one of them, people that have gone into ministry, and they've been trained to lead a good Bible study, to preach a theologically sound sermon, mm-hmm. but if they're honest with themselves, their actual life with God feels completely absent yeah yeah and and they feel so much in a hurry and um and so really to have like this sense of this compassion for pastors because like there's a sense in which love that that and again it's interesting that we're recording this in october which is traditionally pastoral appreciation Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) really yeah yes (laughs) Um. of all the appreciation months i think that's the one that i would have known like last <laughs> yeah, right. And and I think the um but I mean that reality is um I think that that's why I think one of the the, the greatest things that we can do for our pastors is is to is to pray mm-hmm. for them. You know, and it's been said that you 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 can't be a, a an intercessor and a critic at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if we mm-hmm. um and, and part of which we've actually created a system and a lot of people have written about this and 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 much in a way that can articulate it better than I can right now. But, you know, there's a sense in which that we've created a system that's been perfectly designed to produce what it's producing. Mm-hmm. We've created a system yes, of, we have. of doing church, of doing Christianity, and it's doing actually what it was designed to do. Yeah. it was. It's to produce high, charismatic, gifted hmm. leaders that attract people with, with great buildings and big budgets and... And, or, and oratory and lots, skills. It's right. exactly and what Tim was saying. Lots of wonderful skills. Yeah. But it's void of the actual power that comes from an intimate relationship with the Good Shepherd. For sure. Yeah. It's exactly what Tim was saying in the last episode when he was like, did America create the church that it deserved based off of its culture? And and he did say deserved was too strong a word. Sure. We have struggled to come up with an alternative. Mm-hmm. But but more really the church that it asked for mm-hmm. based off of its culture. And and if that is true, then of course of our, our leaders look the way that they do because they're yeah. a product of our church, was which is a product of our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I've, I remember several years ago, I was sitting down with lunch with a pastor who um, came to this point of, of going through some training of, of how do you have a life with God? How do you have a life of prayer and then actually lead people in yeah. that? And his phrase to me was, it was like I rediscovered what it, all, what it actually means to be a pastor. And wow. I, this, <laughs> this love and freedom and joy filled my life like I've never had before. <laughs> and I realized, wow. this is what I'm actually supposed to do as a pastor. But I think so many going through our colleges and our seminaries, as wonderful they are, and you and I have, have been through them, are teaching at you know places like this. Right. Um, but that's not even a part of the equation of how we train. But then you look at how Jesus trained his under shepherds, his people, his disciples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's very different. Well, and, and we were talking again over happy hour just about, and Justin, you brought up the idea of, of sticky faith, which I know mm-hmm. is, it was a while ago that that book came out. Sure. Um, or, or that concept came out. But it was along the lines of, uh, as Anna and I have been talking about, and, and you know the stats, you and I have talked about them for years, of the next generation leaving sort of the institutional version of church. Sure. Mm-hmm. And and the duns and the disenfranchised. Yeah. And, and the more we're, we've been talking on this podcast, the more people are chiming in and saying, "Yeah, that's that's exactly been the experience." And I think people are longing. 
less for a criticism about what's happened and mm-hmm. more for like what is the way forward within God's kingdom, which mm-hmm. is 100% the right way to think about this because mm-hmm. you, you have to be able to identify a problem, mm-hmm. um, but not so that you sit with cynicism in the problem, right? right? That, right. that you're part of the reconstruction, hopefully on some level. And this idea of sticky faith was that uh, if you're around maybe five, was it five people? Yeah, they identified in this, mm-hmm. you know, large scale study that, it, you know, they looked at, you know, students that growing up, you know, kids or young people growing up in a church, what made them stay? You know, that yeah. they weren't one of the nuns, duns, or disenfranchised. Right. Um, it was that they had at least five other adults who authentically modeled what a life with God looked like. Mm. Yeah. The, in the day to day, and were a, an active, intentional part of their lives. Do you so know we what's were trying really to count. Yeah, well, go ahead, Anna. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just that I, I think I could probably name five people who are older than me who have had a significant impact on my faith or on mm-hmm. my Christian journey or whatever, um, but probably not all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, but as I was thinking about it earlier and trying to think through who those people would have been for me. I I think it's very telling that none of them were church leaders, whether it was a pastor or a youth pastor or a mentor assigned to my small group, like none of those people would be in that group of five. Hmm. That's been my experience too, Anna. And, and, And I think I was with some people that are... They were pastors in one of those sort of satellite campus kinds of churches, mm-hmm. you know, some of the churches mm-hmm. that, are, that have become more common, that are becoming less common actually, but that have a headquarters and then they have spinoff churches all around a given city yeah. and gymnasiums with campus pastors. And and they shared with me as pastors in one of these side satellite campuses that what's being modeled for them in terms of how they need to move forward in a life of, of successful Christianity was that their satellite campus was growing in the number of people who were attending because the goal, ultimately the goal, was to get to the headquarters. It was to get mm-hmm. to the main um, HQ where the, where the church is because that's where the best pay was, that's where the best opportunity was. So what was mm-hmm. modeled for them mm-hmm. was to be as charismatic as possible, to draw people in. And they flat said, they said, when, when an opening happens at headquarters in one of this main you know, multi-campus streaming churches, that headquarters will look to the most successful of the satellite campuses according to the number of people that are going to those campuses. So mm-hmm. they were really, you, you think about what a life looks like week in and week out, yeah. what you have to attend to mm-hmm. to make sure that your campus is the one that's growing the most so that then you have further opportunities to get to HQ, which is different than what you just said, Anna, and I think Justin and, and me too. Like who are those people that that independent of some organizational structure, just or maybe sometimes within the organizational mm-hmm. structure, modeled a life of faith. I have those people for sure. I think a lot of people do, but I think a lot of people increasingly don't have just sort of those quiet, stable, when they're in the room with you, everything seems to make sense, whether yeah. they even open their mouth. They're, they're just like, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a presence. There's like, everything is okay mm-hmm. when they're in the room. They have some mm-hmm. kind of qualitative relationship with God. Mm-hmm. That sometimes is found by the most charismatic, but honestly, mm-hmm. it, it isn't often. Mm-hmm. And um, and I always love it when there is an intersection of charisma with groundedness. It just doesn't mm-hmm. happen as yeah. often maybe as we had want. Yeah. But boy, if we it, talk about next generation kind of stuff, um, for all of us, actually, it's not just next generation. I need to be around people who are grounded yeah, we and, all and have that yeah. modeling mm-hmm. for me. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and I think that's one of the reasons why, I mean, you guys have talked about, have listened to some prior episodes, you know, about 
hypocrisy in the church. Sure. Right. And I think it's the number one objection that, number that one, duns have. Sure. So yeah. we just have to deal with it straight Absolutely. up. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's because it's 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 also a product, I think, of what we value most in yeah. culture. You know, we we in our rubric of how we define what success is and what it looks like specifically within the context of the church. So if you have you know, number of butts in the seats and dollars in the budget in a certain size building. Right. Right. Well, then you then you must be onto something that then becomes what it create create a program out of that. Then it becomes reproducible, and then it's packaged, and then it's sold, yeah. and then all these other churches try to adopt it. Right. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Like, was that the way Jesus founded the church? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to the to the start line, he didn't say get in a boardroom and draw up your strategy and study the demographics of Jerusalem. He said, get in the upper room and pray until you clothed with power from on high. Hmm. Yeah. And then the Holy Spirit, who is the very indwelling presence of Christ in you, will empower you to do what you cannot do, you know, by yourself. And that's something, Anna, yeah. you can predict. That's a lie. You said also tonight earlier that young people often aren't necessarily invited to participate in the life of the church. Yeah. And, the way, right. and I do know, like in fairness, I know a few, there's one in particular in my mind, a good friend of mine, who's mm-hmm. one of the few that it wasn't just lip service. He he actually has brought young people in to participate in this totally. life of faith, but, but it, it, it looks different. They're participating in a life of prayer and a life, just a, a true life of, of substance trying to grow in all of that because otherwise it can look something it look very different as to why young people want to be invited into the church. Yeah, totally. And it it's something that I've thought about a lot. And I think it's part of why, I mean, it's a huge part of why I left the church. It's part of why friends of mine that I know have left the church. Um, but it very much has to do with the idea that we are being asked to give our whole lives to this. We are, we are being asked to live a certain way, to, to devote our lives to this, to devote who we are to, to God and to this religion and all of these things. And we often are not taken seriously Hmm. when we are asked to participate in the church. It's in the sense of you sit there and you listen and you guarantee the future of the church. Hmm. Not you have a voice or you have something of value to say or you could contribute to the conversation or you could maybe help teach others or have a path in in the direction of the church. Like you, you don't – we are not allowed to be active members mm-hmm. of the church. Mm-hmm. We, we are allowed to be audience members. That is mm-hmm. what we are being asked to do. Mm-hmm. But we're being asked to devote our whole lives to being an audience member. Hmm. And it and then that's not what I want. That's not what I if I'm gonna devote my life to something, I wanna be able to actually devote my life to it. Yeah. Um and so it's really and then especially as a young woman, it uh there's that added level of difficulty with mm-hmm. it where I like because I am young and because I am a woman. Strike like, one, strike two. Right, mm. exactly. I'm like even less taken seriously, mm. and and have even less to contribute to the conversation, and and even more, I'm just expected to sit there and and listen to everybody else who knows better. Mm. Yeah. So if we take a turn away from some of that, like how would we start doing it? And and I don't know. I mean, Justin, you told a story too tonight about. Um, your son coming into your room at yeah. the middle of the night. I mean, because I think what we're talking about here 
is a movement away from trying to just make sure that the organization is maintained mm-hmm. by bringing people in. And, and you said we just have to keep the church populated is one of the reasons why we reach out to the next generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but what if not just the the paid pastors, but we were living in a church in which we were all together learning how to hear our shepherd's voice individually yeah. and together in this crazy journey of unknown and fear and uncertainty and everything. And I, the story you told tonight, yeah. just about yeah. that, about hearing God's voice, and maybe that's where we take sort of the rest of this episode is, yeah. is yeah. what does it mean to start living in that kind of life? But you, you told a crazy fun story yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, it's just the real raw reality. But I think even just as something that you said, Anna, um, in that phrase about guaranteeing the future of the church, mm-hmm. right? And I, I know we talked about this earlier too before we started recording, but you know, the, the thing that I always sought to emphasize and really want to do in body. And now the Lord's really holding my feet to the fire as I have kids. Yeah. Um, and they're five, three, and one. Five, right? three, and Which one. Which is crazy. Yeah. Is Your three kids don't kids... even add up together to my youngest. You, you are busy, <laughs> Justin Jefferson. You are busy. Yeah. Yes. 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 Which, you know, we'll uh, hopefully get home before bedtime. Tonight, yeah, I know, you know right? That, that crazy uh, <laughs> uh, circus that transpires every evening around this time. But, right. Um, but that's a, the whole idea of that the, the, the youth or the next generation, that they aren't the future of the church, they are the church now. Hmm. Yeah. And if we don't start actually treating that way, not as attenders, but as participants, then they won't be here in the future. And I think right. we're seeing mm-hmm. that happen. Yeah. And I think it's, it comes to the reality. Someone, I heard it say at this point, uh, so, say it this way, that there's no junior size version of the Holy Spirit. Yes. My mentor told mm. us, uh, Hallie and I, that too. There's I no junior that. Holy Spirit. There's no junior Holy Spirit. It's the yeah. same Holy Spirit that embodies your pastor. There's who, no JV Christianity. There's no JV Christianity. <laughs> and so, you know, I think of, you know, right now I'm teaching an Old Testament survey class, right. which, you know, has been crazy challenging and wonderful. But we're tomorrow we're talking about First Samuel. Hmm. And I think about the call of Samuel as a little boy. Yeah. And Eli, who was supposed to be the priest, and he he was kind of, you know, man, he had a whole crazy story there. But he, Eli came in and he, you know, or Samuel came in and he's like, he thought that he was being called by him. And, and far, you know, he did the whole story, but he was basically, um, he was hearing the voice of God, but he didn't know what he was hearing. Hmm. Hmm. And, but he looked at what the, how God used Samuel and that turning point in Israel's history, right? That came from a, from a boy. I mean, a young boy. Yeah. yeah, right. Right. I mean, you think of, uh, you know, taking me seriously as a young woman. What about Mary, the mother of Jesus, who mm. heard, got a visit, visitation yeah. from an angel? And right. You're going to, right. So anyway, all that. All yeah, that, no, to great, your story. That's great background because um, that's, that's I think, what we long for is that right. kind of life. Yeah, absolutely. And a number of, a number of weeks ago, my my son had come in and uh, who's five years old and said, middle of the night, three o'clock, and it was a Thursday or you know early Friday morning, and I told them that later that day I was going to pick him up from kindergarten, and we're going to. It's been our Friday routine now. We have a we have a little date, or we call it a mandate. And, uh, <laughs> Is and this so, who you left me for? You left me for your son. <laughs> Yes. I don't know where this, I mean, leaving you ever came from. I just, <laughs> I'm here, man. <laughs> I didn't leave. It just became just, long distance. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I promise. You thought long, we broke up. We, we can just make, went long distance. We can make this work. <laughs> I don't believe it's you. the friends thing where he's like, we were on a break. It's like, yes, are I you know. though? I know. <laughs> um, so anyway, he was excited about it. He comes in at 3 a.m. says, Daddy, I'm done sleeping. Can we go on our date now? Oh, that's <laughs> amazing. Oh, my gosh. And I just, I love the enthusiasm, right? It was yeah. just so sweet. Um, and, uh, but I was so tired. And I was like, buddy, that's not till later. And I said, just go back to bed. You still got to sleep for many hours if you're going to have a functional day tomorrow. And he, and, it, and he's like, well, I won't have anyone to talk to. 
Hmm. And so I just, for whatever reason, like kind of tongue, like flippantly just said, well, talk to Jesus. <laughs> I'm half awake. Just You're basically go wake somebody up. Go wake you. Yeah. Oh, you like, played the Jesus, Jesus card. To get him out of the room. Totally, you totally did. I totally, you totally played did. the Jesus yeah. card. And then here, and again, here's about discerning God's voice hmm. and how God spoke to me powerfully. And I didn't realize it at the time because I was half awake. Yeah. It, 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 the question has been, captivated me ever since he goes but i don't know how to hear his voice yeah <laughs> i kind of like i stopped i remember pausing in that moment but i remember the next morning waking up being like, hmm. like that i mean on so many levels one here he is so excited he wakes up in the middle of the night because he's excited about going on a date with his dad yeah and then i thought when was the last time i had that excitement and joy over meeting with my heavenly father hmm Hmm. <laughs> right. It's a profound question. I, I just, you know, then, and then on that, and then on another level, oh my goodness, God is giving me the opportunity and to steward this gift who is my son to help cultivate within him the ability to know that God is accessible, that he's real, that he's near, that he's pursuing him, that he's loving him, that mm-hmm. he can know and hear his voice. Hmm. And that's tangible and that's r- more real than the bed he's sleeping in. I'm not sleeping in at that point. Yeah, right. Often <laughs> <laughs> about. Well, so I'm curious, you two, um, and maybe the examine prayer that Tim Yearsley was talking about last episode would be a place to start. But um, but I was listening to a podcast this week when Tim Keller was on with some um, theologians. They were actually in Edinburgh, which was kind of fun uh, to hear. And, and Tim Keller was reflecting on his the return of his cancer um, he was uh, diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, I think two years ago or so. And um, and he made it through that first and then it returned, but now the immunotherapy is working again. Somehow his life continues to be extended. And the point of that is that uh, his wife was, ref- he was talking on the podcast about the idea that when it came time to face this horrendous reality, where I think it's 80% of people that are diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer don't last longer than six months is what he had said. And so it just brought into stark focus um, hmm. life and and what matters and what counts and everything. And, and he talked about it way better than I'm, I'm reflecting it right now. But his wife came to him and said, you know, Tim, I've seen you develop in these last 10 years a different kind of unusual life with God that has prepared you now to be able to walk with God in these final sort of steps. And and she said, I don't know that I have had that kind of journey that you've had. And the two of them, I mean, it just, it felt like just like heavens were opening as I was listening to this podcast, as Tim Keller is talking about now, how he and his wife are together finding sort of this sacred heaven and earth convergence, right? And hmm. heavens are as near as our next breath. And, and the people of God are meant to be where the spirit dwells, where heaven and earth come together in mm-hmm. one place. And he's describing that in in very um, stark detail related to facing the end of his life. And Hmm. I don't want to wait. And I mean, I think he's 72 is what he said. I don't want to wait until I'm 62 to develop that kind of life. And Hmm. so where do we go? Like, Where do we start not just in our own lives? Because your son Bennett at five, like I'm guessing you woke up thinking, how can I help start shepherding him in this kind of life? But there's probably 50-year-olds that have never, 60, 70, 90-year-olds that have never even know where to start. So I'm just kind of curious where would we start is the Anna you talked a little bit tonight about just even recently ending your day with the examine prayer I don't know what that was like or starting your day or yeah, praying through I started my I, day. I'm just curious and maybe just yeah. give us what did Tim say was the examine prayer again do you remember um if I remember right it was about 
looking over your day and the times when you felt close to God and the times when you felt far from God Mm. and inviting him into the places where you felt far from him and then being grateful for the places where you felt close to him. Interesting. Mm. If I remember that correctly, or at least that's how I did the other day. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then when you were talking about um, accessibility with God, I think we we talked a little bit about that over dinner and just with um, (laughs) with our favorite like beating the dead horse or whatever it is, example of the spiritual but not religious. Um, it, it just makes me wonder if I I did not realize until recently in my life that that God was something that was accessible to me personally without somebody else in the room telling me what to do. Um and then by extension, the, the scriptures and prayer and, and mm-hmm. worship and all of that. Like, I didn't realize that that was something that I could do on my own mm-hmm. or or privately. Um, and it, it makes me wonder how many other people have had the same experience where they don't feel like God is accessible to them, mm-hmm. which... If you don't feel like God is accessible to you, then it's going to be really hard to have a relationship with God, <laughs> yeah. which which makes this whole Christian thing really hard. Um, and then, and that kind of led me to wondering about if the spiritual but not religious thing is more an idea of like, there's something out there that is is too tangible to be denied, hmm. and and I have a relationship with it in some way, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it can't be God hmm. because I'm able to access it on my own hmm. and I'm doing it outside of the structures of the church or outside of the structures of the Sunday sermons and hmm. the pastors and the mm-hmm. youth groups and the whatever. So it must not be God hmm. because I wouldn't be able to, ha- to have access to that on my own. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, it, it speaks to our unfamiliar uh, unfamiliarity yeah. with the unseen realm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been taught so much doctrine and so many like memorization of scripture, and these things are all fine. But yeah. I think we we are starved for how to reliably interact within the unseen realm. Yeah, that we ex- we say exists within the creeds that we profess, mm-hmm. but we are completely unfamiliar with that realm, and so mm-hmm. um, we don't even know how to necessarily name it. And yet, people outside of the institutional church are interacting within that realm yeah. all yeah. the time. Yeah. And all the worship and the creeds and the prayers and the, um, what is the word? Sacraments. That's the mm-hmm. one. We mm-hmm. were just talking about it in class the other day. <laughs> that, that all of those things, like, they have a different role in my life now that mm. I have a relationship with God. Like, mm. Now I feel like they actually mean something to me when I do that, when I sing the song or take communion yeah, or right. pray yeah. or prayer yeah. or whatever. Now I'm like, oh, now I feel like it actually has meaning because yeah. I actually have a relationship with the reason why I'm doing these things. Uh, yeah. Fascinating. Um, yeah. But it, I just feel like we spend so much time teaching the prayers, teaching the theology, teaching the scriptures, teaching the ideas based off of the assumption that you already have a relationship with God mm. that we haven't taught you how to have a relationship with God. That's wow. And so none yeah. of those things really mean anything mm-hmm. because you don't have the reason why you're doing them. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really good. Cause I mean, in, in one way, I think we teach those things 
as a way to help others know how to have a relationship mm-hmm. with God. But sometimes we put a, the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And and you know, a, a verse that comes to my mind in Ephesians three, in Ephesians two, it says that through him, through Christ, we both, speaking of Jews and Gentiles, have um the same access to God through the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about access. It's like the access has been completely granted to mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. Right? It's there. It's, it's in us. It's there, right? The very I mean, the very spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. That pa- dwells know, in you. Power yeah. dwells mm-hmm. in us, and so, um, f- so for me, I mean, um, I love that you mentioned the prayer of exam. It's been a part of my rhythm of, of yeah, prayer. Yeah, totally. Um, for me, I mean, I mentioned the beginning of, of the episode here that you know I grew up Catholic, and part of that is the this almost the religious recitation rec- recitation. That sounds yeah, about right. I think is that's that? right. Yeah, if not as close. I'm enough. an English major, so I'm going to say that that's right. Re- but I don't religious really know. reciting. <laughs> There okay, that's it. Um, uh, and, and just things by rote memory, right? And yeah. the mm-hmm. creeds, and the, mm-hmm. but one of those things every week was was the Lord's Prayer, or the the Our Father. It, would, it was called, and again, it wasn't until later on in life that I didn't realize that Jesus wasn't teaching us what to pray. Hmm. He didn't just say to simply repeat these words. Although there's power in that, absolutely. But he said, "This is how you should pray." He hmm. was giving us a pattern. He was giving us a rhythm. And, uh, you know, that's and again, such an important distinction, which is such an important distinction. Yeah, it really is. And then, you know, Greek, uh, you're, you, you're the doctor among us. So, you know, the Greek, here, right? <laughs> so he knows everything. So he knows everything. <laughs> you're about ready but to out Jesus, me. Yes. Yeah. But you're when right. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Um, th- that's in the imperative tense in Greek, which is he was commanding us. He wasn't giving mm. us the option. He wasn't saying, but what's so powerful. I would have said that too. For sure. Exactly. For sure yeah. exactly. I actually yeah. just took a is Greek it, class you did. last fall. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew that. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. And so I knew Mr. that. Mr. PhD. Too. I did. Yes. yes. Maybe, maybe know that. Pretty, yeah. Well, yep. it's an imperative. He commanded. It's an imperative. He commanded. But that command came in response to a question hmm. that hmm. the disciples asked of Jesus in Luke 11. And that's, which by the way, that the Lord's prayer is in Luke 11 and in Matthew 6. And if you compare them, the words are different, but the pattern's the same. Right. So oh, it tells us, interesting. Jesus, Jesus isn't telling us, say these words. Right. And, and Matthew and, is being written to a Jewish audience and, and Luke and, to a Gentile audience. So even that, some of the shifting around exactly, is happening there. So it, exactly. is, it is, yes, exactly. But what's so powerful about that is that's the account in Luke 11. Um, the only question that we have recorded in the scriptures of Jesus' disciples asking of Jesus to teach them how to do something was, Lord, teach us to pray hmm. as John taught his disciples. And he said, okay, well, when you pray, pray like this. Hmm. And then he gives us this rhythm and he gives us pattern. So for me, actually l- leaning into that as the way that I pray, as the way that I can commune with God and specifically the way that I, of praying scripture, using that as a pattern to pray scripture mm-hmm. where no longer is this a, an ancient mysterious book that's inaccessible to me because it's yeah. it's weird. And, yeah, it is strange and there's some hard things in here. <laughs> right. Right. But when I recognize that the same Holy Spirit that inspired these words of these human authors to be his word through their personality, through their pen, so to speak, also dwells in me. Reading the Bible, or I like to call pray reading the Bible, is no longer about trying to get a little devotion, trying to get something out of it to boost my confidence for the day. It's about it's <laughs> shocking. About, yeah. It's about actually having a conversation with the author. Hmm. And that changes everything. Um yeah. and so, you know, that pattern. So I mean that's for me, it's like following. We, Jesus has actually makes such a bold claim in John 14 that we can actually have the same life, the same relationship that He has with the Father. We can have. Hmm. And so, yeah. you've seen me. You've seen the Father. Yeah. If you if you love me, you obey my commandments. And if you do that, 
the Father and I will come and make our home and we'll abide, we'll be with you. Mm, I love that. I, so I think that's the type of life that we all long for. It mm-hmm. is. But I don't think we realize that that actually is accessible to mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Well, and I know you've got um, some kids a bit about here shortly. So maybe <laughs> maybe just a couple last topics yeah. of yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah, yes. One, I think one for a future episode, and it's something Anna and I, you have talked about a lot, mm-hmm. is that um, how we view God and who God is in relationship to the world. Yeah really matters in terms of our um, willingness to drop the guard and, mm-hmm. and come to God. So I think that for it might be helpful to sure, understand who exactly we're being asked yeah. to devote our lives to before we <laughs> devote our lives to that. And let me just, yeah, yeah please. If I, if I could real quick. Yeah, go yeah. for That's it. What's, so I mean, it's so, your so, kids. My so kids powerful. are all there. They go to bed much later now. We're going to be watching <laughs> okay. Netflix the next three hours. But so, yeah. just to oh, say, Avatar. Totally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but to say that I can't, that'll be a fun phase later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for that. But, um, that's what's so powerful about the Lord's Prayer because how it begins is not how most people begin in the way that we're taught how to pray. Mm-hmm. Where we usually have um, you know, a, a list of our needs that we try to bring before God and we want Him to do something about it. Yeah. And again, He knows our needs. Those needs matter to Him because He loves us. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a good shepherd. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a father who knows us and loves us and cares for us. But when Jesus begins with our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, Hmm. It begins with the revelation of who he is. I love that. And having a remembrance that I need every single day, multiple times a day of who we're actually being with and who we're praying with yeah. and communing with. Yeah. That's the basis. That's the foundation. It's it's a it's a foundation of reverence and worship rather than a request and needs, which in the Lord's Prayer, when it gets to praying about our needs, we've spent time actually recognizing who God is, worshiping him. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So again, Christianity is about us going to heaven. It's about getting heaven inside of us. Oh, I love that. And then we're at that point of praying with a renewed Mm -hmm. faith about our requests. And by that point, I'm actually praying about things I didn't even know I needed to pray about. Hmm. Hmm. I've worshiped the Lord. I've surrendered to his will and his kingdom in my life. And again, it's not about a religious rhythm and method. Um, It's about the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and it's not any different with us. And so I've always said, if you can learn to pray as Jesus prayed, you'll have the ability or the power to live as Jesus lived. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing is this, he's He's made it accessible to us. Yeah. 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 And when you talked about the um, praying about things that you didn't even know that you needed to pray about, is like I I find that oftentimes a lot of my my prayers will kind of begin, not that I like sit down and script out my prayers before I start praying, but like uh, I'll have an idea of like, this is the thing that I am praying about now. And then it often really kind of quickly dissolves into like the repetition of two or three words or two or three phrases. And then sometimes even further goes into that like wordless heart cry Hmm. where I'm just like, you know, Mm -hmm. like I don't, have words for what is going on inside me or around me right now, but you know what I'm trying to say, even though I don't have words for it. So just hear me. And it, and it often will dissolve kind of into that, like, just hear me yeah, just over and over and over again. And so it's like, it, it is so interesting. The idea of praying scripture, the idea of praying that pattern, because I, I do find that my prayers have a, have a pattern as they go on and they often do not go the direction that I thought it was going to go. And I wonder if the importance of starting with that kind of prayer that you guys are describing mm-hmm. about, you know, holy be your name or hallowed be your name as you were, you were talking about that, Justin, I was thinking about yeah. 
the Tower of Babel story where the desire for the people in the Tower of Babel in those early Genesis stories was um, that they were going to make a name for themselves in the mm. heaven. They were going to exalt their name. They were going to mm-hmm. strive in the heavens against God. And, and their name was the one that they wanted magnified. And and again, it just makes me wonder, like having been in the mega churches and having been a young pastor who's, I suppose, star was on the rise in the mega churches, it was a really difficult struggle to fight um, that I wanted my name or the church's name magnified. Like this was mm. about us being magnified and us growing and us mm-hmm. having an influence and us, 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 us. Mm. And, and it, there, there's maybe a little bit of a Babel-like tendency in some of that mm. as opposed mm-hmm. to a church community because the, the, the prayer that those disciples were praying was a we kind of prayer. Like how would a church look different? However size, this is not about, you know, mega church or not, just whatever size of the church is instead of saying, how can we grow? How can we magnify our name? How can we make a name for ourselves in the heavens? What if the whole collective sort of ethos of the church was hallowed be your name? Like yeah. we just started there and your kingdom wow. come and yeah. your will be done, not my kingdom come yeah. in this. And that that might just be a place of, I don't think that kind of corrective would take that long. Sometimes, unfortunately, it comes through brokenness, right? Yeah. Like you, yes, yes. you kind of have to hit the wall yep. and, and come yeah. up against your own limitations. But mm-hmm. it just makes me wonder about the importance of, of teaching shepherds and parents and kids all like, like let, let's start by not going back and doing the babble thing again. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, maybe one more, just last conversation, you brought it up. Uh, you both, I think have talked about God being a shepherd. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, Anna, you grew up in an environment where your mom um, had what was called sort of a good shepherd kind of curriculum. Like you, mm-hmm. you have, mm-hmm. you have associated with God as shepherd. Um, what probably in known and unknown ways, you know, yeah, for, for, for your lifetime. And, I think just, again, as parents, or even just if you're a pastor who's 52 years old and has never really understood God as shepherd, like maybe that's another one of these correctives. I, I don't think all of the shepherd language in the biblical text is simply because they were living in an agricultural society. <laughs> and that if they were living today, <laughs> This may God be a would, handy example. Right. right. <laughs> that, you know, because today God would be a CEO or something yeah. like that, Ooh. you know, right? Like I think God, it, re- yes. it retains that quality of a shepherd. And, and I, I think like God would be HR. <laughs> if anything, not CEO. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, that mindset shift, I think if you say that you are my shepherd, then I'm going to want to hear your voice to what your point when Bennett came in in the middle yeah. of the night, you know, and, but I think we all want to hear that voice. And so mm-hmm. that mind shift to God being shepherd yeah. of our lives, because dear Lord, our futures are all unknown. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I think part yeah. of the reason why we live in such a crisis of God's faithfulness is that we already have our life planned out. Hmm. And then we ask God to come alongside of our life to help energize the life that we have planned out. And mm-hmm. then as soon as the unknown hits, and, and the car accident comes or the, or the diagnosis hits hmm. or the job doesn't work out or the relationship doesn't work out or whatever it is, who do we immediately turn to and say, you weren't faithful hmm. to, to my plans as opposed to God's faithfulness <laughs> being, he is my shepherd who's with me every step of the way. He will never leave me, even though my circumstances in this world aren't always going to be pretty in a very broken world. So I don't know, maybe you guys could just speak to the mindset of to develop sort of this accessibility of the deeper magic of of the life of God that that in this God-bathed world in which we live, I think some of it has to do with seeing God actually as our shepherd who leads us step by step in this world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go for it. You want me to? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. You got it. Well, save the best for last. You'll clean up after. <laughs> oh, hardly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, something that came into my mind too. Um, a quote by A.W. Tozer. Um, one of my favorite authors. I named my dog after him. My dog's name is Tozer. Are you just, Wait, really? actually? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's amazing. I yeah, love my dog's that. name is Tozer. So. You're like, or, I mean, you're already cool and you name your dog after theological figures. Wow. Well, that's kind of a, 
I don't know. I feel like a lot of people in my generation did that. You know, that's after theological figures. I would have thought yeah. Marvel characters. Oh no, that would have been cool. I thought it'd be cool. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I feel like well, mine is mostly like book and movie characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, so you have like Tozer that. the dog runner out of so home. So Tozer the dog runner at home does not, doesn't live up to his name much, but um, he does his best. He does. He's great. He's great. But in in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, which is his book on the attributes of God, the opening line, which. It maybe is well known for some, but it's worth restating. He says, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Hmm. Because hmm. your God concept, and everyone has one. Right. Yeah. Will literally, your life completely flows out of that. Wow. And so um, I think part of, that's the power of this, of actually going to the scriptures of, okay, Jesus, what do you actually say about yourself? Yeah. And one of the things that he says several times, um, he has all these I am statements in the Gospel of John, right? Mm-hmm. And it's one that's repeated is in John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I, yes, it's fabulous. Yeah. And it's just, so I mean, just if you haven't, you're listening and wherever you are in the spectrum of faith or your relationship or non-relationship with Jesus, go to John 10 and just read the first half of that. Yeah. And, um, and it's just this beautiful picture that Jesus... I love it because it opens up and he gives this analogy and then it says no one understood what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the number of times that that comes up in scriptures, it's like the Harry Potter thing where if you tally the number of times that it's like Harry had no idea what was going on or Harry had no idea what they were talking about. It was like, it's the whole series. Yeah. Like it's a miracle that anything just, happens. So it gives there. us comfort of like, okay, well, they, they weren't, I don't get it either. Mm. But then he goes yeah. on, to, he, then he goes on to talk again. He says, well, truly, truly, I say to you. And he keeps going and he gives us beautiful metaphor and I believe you. You're right, Peter. He's not just using that because it's it's a it's a it's an easily accessible metaphor within an agrarian culture. There's something about that idea of a shepherd who mm-hmm. um, who is who is faithful, who is steady, who's dependable, who's tough. I mean, shepherds weren't. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that rod and that staff. Oh, they, yeah. comforted, they whacked them outside. They the head. could take yeah. out a bear. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, right. They they were they. I mean, that idea of protecting the ones that they love, mm-hmm. and uh, and will not abandon in a time of trouble. And he, and Jesus contrasts those people that were supposed to take care of God's people and shepherds. He said they were they were thieves. They were hired workers. They didn't really care for the sheep because they didn't own the sheep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he actually says, "I own the sheep. I know the sheep. Mm-hmm. I love the sheep. I feed them. I protect them. And actually, I lay." myself down for them and i'm the one who gives them abundant life Hmm. that real type of you've talked about this that that life that's eternal yeah the indestructible kind of life we experience it now but that it also lasts forever right it's indestructible it's indestructible so i think when you recognize jesus and approaching him in that posture through the way that he himself revealed himself Mm -hmm. to us we take him at his word and to your point anna earlier yeah you say okay I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I trust this, but I'm just going to lay it out there. We find that what we see on the other side of that is a good shepherd who loves us. Hmm. Yeah, totally. And I and I think that has been my experience of God so far in the in the very short period of time that I have been in relationship with him is it it feels like a perpetual trust fall. And <laughs> and this is something that we've talked a little bit about already, hmm. but just in the sense that like I'll start moving ahead with something because I'm like, yep, this is the plan. We talked about this. You said this is what I'm doing, so this is what I'm doing. And then I get to the point, and it's like, all right, here we go. And then everything falls apart. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, we had a plan. We talked about this. You I love it. Do, do you call Jesus dude? I love that. All the time. That's oh, yeah. I'm like, come on, man. What's the problem? Um, and so then 
and it and it usually has a, a short period of time of me trying to be like, all right, how do I fix this? And then finally, I'm just like, okay, you know what? Whatever. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, you do your thing. I'll chill out, see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then it either like pulls itself back together or it doesn't. Hmm. And and I actually have two oddly parallel experiences with that where a couple months ago, Caleb and I were supposed to move out. Caleb is my um, older brother. He and I were supposed to move out with some friends of ours. And literally two days before we signed our lease, the whole thing fell apart and and then stayed falling apart, <laughs> which is one of the first times that that has happened. Yeah. Normally things have, have kind of come back together. But in the aftermath of that, he and I just keep looking at each other and being like, that was really good. Neither of us were ready for that. It wouldn't have been good for either of us. <clears throat> I keep thinking about like, how much of a struggle work and school life and social life balance already is for me. And that's living at home, like much less struggling to pay rent and and buying my own food and all of that. Like I was like, I can't imagine if we actually had gone through with that, how, how difficult I like how difficult my life would be right now. Um, but this, the same time last year when I moved to Scotland for school, we, my mom and I got on a plane and we didn't know where I was living. We had three weeks and a flat that belongs to a friend of ours. And we were like, I don't know where I'm living when those three weeks are up. And, and something came up and it was perfect and it, it was exactly what we needed. But it was like that moment of either this is going to come together or it won't, but whatever is going to happen is, is going to be God doing his thing and it's completely out of my hands. But it's just been that exercise of trust and me being like, okay, I can't do anything about this. So you have to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, help me out, and then just and just letting it happen, mm-hmm. and yeah. not trying to control it myself. And I just those kinds of stories. I find if I don't build some, and I said this earlier in the podcast, if I don't build some version of an Ebenezer stone or some yeah. memorial, some journal, some something that's like, mm-hmm. hang on, when I like the next time that I'm going to totally think you are not faithful at all. Right. Why, why don't I look back at this Ebenezer stone for a second and just see how you know how, how off the mark. I am. And, and it is really something that, especially as you start getting older and again, thinking about Tim Keller and, and all hmm. of that, that God's faithfulness was not that Tim Keller didn't get a cancer diagnosis. He did. I mean, yeah. you know, life yeah. is a terminal deal, right? We know it. And, mm-hmm. and even if you have an illusory bubble for a period of time in which um, tragedy and difficulty and suffering isn't part of your day-to-day existence, for most people in the world, it is. And, and at the end of the day, we live in a broken world. And to have the idea of God's faithfulness, that he stays with us every step of the journey and leads us each step of the journey, even when the valleys and the shadows get really dark, th- mm-hmm. those are some of those um, places where knowing that he doesn't ever lead, leave us, mm-hmm. is then I can start thinking about those words like, great is thy faithfulness, not mm-hmm. because everything worked out in my life, but he was a shepherd mm-hmm. worth following. And how, I mean, I think just people are just so desperately wanting or longing for that kind of substantive life. These are the kind of people that would then, as I said earlier, I know a few of those people. And when they come and sit in the room, everything seems okay. Not because their life is okay, but they know at the end of the day, again, as Dallas Willard would say, the universe is ultimately a safe place. 
because yeah. God is here. Yeah. And even if you die, yet you would live. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean you're going to be exempt from tragedy. It just mm-hmm. means maybe a different kind of life that I yeah. think would be more compelling for the people of faith uh, if we can learn to live this kind of deeper, I, I suppose, magic life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Justin, you're... It's great to have you. I it's hope this is it's so time. great. I'm so glad that you're I'm still laughing that you brought me. your Bible. Like, I'm, I'm just giggling about okay, the fact can, that can we... neither of us have ever had a Bible in well, this room. Well, that's because I have it memorized. I, I will, yeah. like, speed Google Bible passages <laughs> as we're talking. Yes. That's about as, like, scriptural as we get in here. So I love that you actually <laughs> brought, yeah, like, but... a gorgeous, <laughs> like... It is, it, but maybe maybe we wrap up here. Like, yeah. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but that mm. Bible isn't just any Bible. This Bible, I think, is this the Bible that came from your grandmother? No, not this one. Not this one. No, okay, that one did... I can okay. hard, I can't travel with it because one, it weighs like 50 pounds. Okay, <laughs> and two, it's it's like duct taped together and it's losing stuff. So okay, all of our notes but maybe wrap it. I mean, when you talked about sticky faith, you maybe just wrap us up this way. You had a, a woman in your life, happened to be in your family, yeah. that demonstrated. It sounds like to me the sort of life of accessibility with God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, um, I had a grandmother, um, she passed away, um, in February of 2020. So right yeah, the and, um, she was the one who, uh, wrote, made literally a little poster of Psalm 91, um, when I was a boy and struggling with fear um, mm. and about God being our shelter and God being with us and dwelling with us and his angels bearing us up and guarding us and protecting us. I had that you know, above my bed. She was also the one who gave uh, me a book who, by the way, I, I still have, and I get to read with my kids now Oh my God! about oh, wow. Psalm 23, Whatever. about Psalm 23 being the Lord is my shepherd and mm-hmm. I walk all through. And it's just this, this really cool picture, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so when she passed away, I, um, I got her, Bible that mm. she, I love it. She bought for herself um, almost 20 years prior and does a life application wow. study Bible. And my my grandmother was a, pe- a nana, call her like a peck. She saved everything and sticky notes <laughs> were her jam. So like everything was on a sticky note. And so anyway, the, the, the gift, really the legacy that she left of that example of, um, you know, there's that saying, if you find somebody whose Bible is falling apart, their life usually isn't. Mm. And, That's a good saying. And I think that that idea of just being able to thumb through that and see like, wow, the history that my grandmother documented, yeah. those ebony, like all these yeah. all these moments. And so, I mean, I have that on my shelf and I'll keep that till the day I die and pass it on to my kids. Yeah. So it's, it's such a gift of uh, an example of somebody who lived a life with God and knew the accessibility and <laughs> took full advantage of it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> You're the best. It's great to have you back. Oh, it's great uh, like, to be yeah, here. You know, it was yeah. nice to meet you. Oh, it's great to meet you as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I, know. So. I have a feeling you guys would like, th- this was, happens in my life all the time is people get introduced to each other maybe because I have a common relationship and then mm. I get cut out of the text train. So I'm just going to go, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and assume. my friends, actually. Yeah, I know. I'm going to just assume that you guys will hang out and I'll just be out of the loop, but I'm glad for it. That sounds so, good. Yeah. All my I could be your surrogate uncle. Fa- you father's go. weird. <laughs> uncle, uncle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can deal with uncle. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this thanks is, for having me. And this is, yeah, this is another episode of The Deeper Magic. Thanks for listening. I'm Peter and with my daughter, Anna, and with Justin Jepson. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.
Magic is produced by Audio on the Rocks. And our music for this episode is Auroras of Saturn by Music L Files. You can head on over to filmmusic.io and find that there, all licensed under Creative Commons 4.0, viewable on the site as well. <laughs>